Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mo Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. We are coming to the end of not only 2019, but the end of a decade. Apparently, because this is a 14-page outline, we're going to see how we do. Because we thought we would take a a look back on some of the big moments of the 2010s. And in our next episode, we'll look ahead to things on the horizon in the 2020s and things that we're hopeful for. Oh, that sounds so weird, 2020. I'm, you know, my number one prediction is everyone's going to say, well, pundits particularly, hindsight is twenty twenty. We're going to hear that all the time. But don't we hear it all the time anyway? But now it's going to be... A um, pun? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, come on. I already bought a bottle of wine called Hindsight because I'm so into puns. <laughs> I, I posted a picture. Oh, I, I know said, you are. Said, it's 2020. I'm, I'm guilty of it too. <laughs> You're trying to be a politician. No. Oh, I was told when I was in third grade I should be a politician because of the way I shake hands and look people in the eye. Uh, I was told I should be a lawyer because I like to argue a lot. Hey, those are pretty good professions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have said before on this show, New Year's is a tricky holiday for us. Um, for me, something almost always goes wrong on New Year's. Hopefully, that won't come true this time. I guess I'll talk about it in a 2020 episode, maybe. There is a lot of pressure to make it an epic holiday. I imagine that pressure is going to be even more intense since it is the closing of a decade. Right. I honestly didn't even think about it honest, to, to this point. I can't remember. Somebody said something in passing, and it stopped me in my tracks. Well, think about when 2000 happened. Yes. We assumed that the world was going to end. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a little more significant. There's no real big, like, we're going to die. All of electronics is going to stop together because the zero zero is going to restart everything. Oh, for listeners who don't know about Y2K, you should look it up. Oh, it was obnoxious. We really were like, this is the end, buy out all the water. So much water, (laughs) bread. Why? Why bread? Because the stores wouldn't be able to restock. The doors weren't going to open, the automatic doors. Yeah, apocalypse. Yeah, it was a whole thing. We had a whole thing. Yes, and actually last year, Samantha and I, we stayed in on New Year's Eve. We got in onesies and sent each other pictures of ourselves looking goofy at midnight. And it was way cooler than it sounds. Goofy. We were awesome. And cool, and maybe a little sad, but definitely awesome. I ordered mac and cheese three times that day. That was your whole goal that day. I was that impressed. Was all, that was all I wanted, and I got it three times. So I just wanted to hang out with Peaches and not talk to people. Yeah. I think I watched Harry Potter in your honor. Yes. yes. Uh, well, I watched Harry Potter of the Goblet of Fire. Yep. And it was great. It was good. It was, it was a good great. holiday. We're, we're Let's try winners. that again this year. I would totally be down. I think we I need to find a new onesie, though. I have more than one onesie. Okay, I only have one. <laughs> Not that cool. <laughs> you there. need to catch up oh, with me. <laughs> and quick trigger warning before we get into this: uh, we are going to touch on things around sexual assault, violence, terrorism, mass shootings, um, just events that have happened. We're not going to go into too much detail, but just to put that out there. And disclaimer: before we get into this, there is no way we're going to touch on everything clearly. Um, if we leave if we leave something out that you find is extremely important, of course, let us know. But when you're talking about an overview of the past 10 years, there's a lot to cover. And we did want to touch on 
specifically for this show and some personal things, because this show actually launched in 2010, I believe, with creator Kristen Conger and her then co-host Molly. And this was back when podcasting was super new and none of us knew what we were doing, really. At the time, the show was one of the first of its kind, talking about feminism and women. And I came on as an editor that same year when I started as an intern. And as I've said, it was a super transformative thing for me personally. It gave me so much. It expanded my worldview. It made me look at things in different ways. And then from there, I went on to produce videos for Spinty, primarily for the YouTube channel, which you can still find them, which I did for several years. It was rewarding and stressful, but I, a lot of it I'm, I'm still pretty proud of. And I, I think back, huh, mm-hmm. you did that. I think it was good. They were great. I know it took a lot of time for y'all. A it lot did. of time. <laughs> it did. <laughs> and they were supposed to look like they weren't produced, which is actually really tricky to do. Right, especially when you're trying to speed talk a little bit, get mm-hmm. all that information in, being mm-hmm. funny, and then dressing up and doing all... Yeah, there was a lot of things on there. There certainly were. And over the years, Spinty has gone through a lot of changes, bringing on a friend, Caroline. After Kristen and Caroline left to do their own thing with Unladylike, Emily and Bridget came on, and then I came on after Emily left, and then Bridget moved on to other things. And now we have Samantha. Hey! Yes. And if I look at where I was at the beginning of the decade, I was 21. Oh. <laughs> I was graduating college. I was planning on moving to China. I got this internship. That's when I found out of my dad and the terminal cancer. And that happened to be when I got offered a full-time position at House of Works, which, yes, I did accept. Um, yeah. It's just strange to think back on those times. Right. So I can't remember what I did in 2010 because all of my significant things happened in 2000 to mm, 2010. Okay. So from then on, it was just, yeah, this okay, I'm here. <laughs> I've been in Atlanta for a little while. I've had jobs for the past, you know, eight years and okay. been trying to adult. I'm definitely in a lot of debt and I moved around three or four times trying to get to a point that I didn't have to have a roommate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I commuted over three hours a day for three years to help with my dad. I got in the best shape of my life. Uh, I got to know my mom really well. My dog Dizzy died. I fell in love, was heartbroken. I took a road trip across the U.S., went to India, Peru, South Africa, had the worst hangover of my life, May 5th, 2012. I will never forget. Wow, that was very specific. <laughs> this is my brother's birthday, and he had his birthday party at Benihana. Oh, that's Do right. you know what it's like to be at a Benihana and being imagining throwing up on the hibachi grill? It's not good. No, I can't say I've done that. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> and I was two hours late. <laughs> Because I've been throwing up. Drink responsibly. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I did did, uh, a couple movies, acting in a couple movies. Had a three-year-long relationship. That's the longest relationship I've ever had. Moved to Atlanta. Became a podcast host of a show called Saver, which actually was food stuff, but now it's Saver. Right. And now it's a travel show, and we've been to Asheville, New Orleans, Hawaii. And then I came in on this show where I opened up about... Some really personal things like my past experiences with trauma and sexual assault for the first time. And also probably figured out I'm asexual. So it's a big years. 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 Yes, I it just, is. Uh, years. Years. Yes. And when I think back, I was trying to come up with some deep thing I've learned, you know, give significance to this thing. And really, <laughs> I guess I've just become more cynical, which mm-hmm. I, I'm upbeat. Mm-hmm. But I suppose I'm more cynical, a lot more questioning of things. I've learned that everyone has their own problems that you don't know about. Right. 
and you can't just ignore your own problems and hope they go away because they won't. And I learned a lot about feminism and intersectionality. Yeah. I think that's a continued thing. I would mm-hmm. say um, just looking back at what Kristen and Molly had to do in talking about feminism, the backlash they got then, yes. oh, my goodness, because we still get a lot of backlash now, and yeah. it's a little more accepted Yeah, and a little more conversational, and with social media, you get a little more questions. Yeah, and it's fascinating to think if you, if you look at feminism specifically, it's changed so rapidly this decade. Right particularly, and this show particularly, which is is good. It feels like so many things have happened right. and have changed. You know, and, and I'm thinking, too, on that personal level, I've experienced my 30s mm-hmm. in this decade alone, and that's why I feel like everything's at a standstill. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully a majority of the stuff I just said about this decade was uh, deleted, <laughs> was edited out of me because I completely forgot that this is not 2000s yes, and that it is 2010 <laughs> and I was trying to pretend like I'm 10 years younger. I'm not. And I don't want to be, to be fair, because sure. 30s have been good and bad. And I will say I've learned a lot. You learn a lot about yourself, especially in an age and time where I am single and have been single the majority of my life and it's never been a thing for me to have kids or to get married, mm-hmm. which is so, which is unusual in comparison to. It's not as unusual now. And right. there are more and more women who are not or not just women, more and more people who are single and don't have family lives until later in life. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's an interesting facet to look at to be an adult and to figure out what that adulthood looks like and the changes from that to 20s. Mm-hmm. Because there's a pretty big significant change between your teenage years to your 20s. Oh, sure. Um, obviously yes. with things like school and job and, and venturing out, but then trying to actually stabilize mm-hmm. and looking like looking at what stable is for you. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, but it's very confusing, <laughs> yeah. as I've just noted. Yes. Like I had a stroke or something, but hey, it's okay. It's okay. I figured it out. You did? I figured it out. I will say that. I figured out what decade this is. Good. Oh, next decade is going to be really, really, really troublesome for me. (laughs) So let's take a snapshot of 2010. So we're coming out of a recession here in the United States. For the first time, women held more of the country's jobs. For every two men getting a bachelor's, women are getting three. Economists projected that over the next decade, 13 of the 15 job sectors expected to grow the most were dominated by women. So this was at the start of 2010. This is where we were. Right. And let's look at some of the things that actually happened because that article was written in in 2010. Those were predictions. My goodness. Yes. Okay. But first, we're going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor. back. Thank you, sponsor. So let's talk about technology. Yes, because that was a huge thing, changed so much so rapidly. And (laughs) this one was perhaps one of the most shocking for me looking back. So if we look at streaming, as in entertainment streaming, (laughs) that has changed so much, particularly how we watch things and added phrases to our lexicon like Netflix and chill, Disney Plus and thrust. Wait, what? Yeah, you haven't I have heard that one. I have not heard that one. That's disturbing. Don't put that with Disney. Well, they That's, have. Oh, they no. have the mysterious thing. Oh, no. 
Netflix didn't launch its streaming service until 2010 and didn't produce an original movie until 2015. Can you mm-hmm. believe that? Mm-hmm. They have like Oscar-nominated movies. Right. I remember, I feel like it was so quick, though, that they yeah. did it so quickly. They and ramped up pretty yeah, fast. Yeah, very fast because yeah. I remember thinking, like, the original deals was getting the CD, the CDs, the DVDs. Yeah. That's what you got. Two, how many do you get? One or two or three. Right, and they would mail and, them to and you. And it was a, such a... Phenomenon. Mm-hmm. What? Killed Blockbuster. What? It yeah. did kill Blockbuster. Oh, R.I.P. <laughs> I do miss that. I actually really liked it. <laughs> oh, there are other places you can go. The release of a full season of House of Guards in 2013 was one of the first culturally huge examples of binging, mm. um, which, of course, is something that a lot of us do now. You just watch the entire show one yeah. sitting. <laughs> can't, I can't lie. I, I'm spoiled by that. I don't like waiting anymore. I've noticed that because I'll be like, we've got to talk about this. And you'll say, it's not over. I'll come back to it. Right. Advancements in CGI have led to more and more de-aging in films and television and even completely digitized renderings of actors in live-action movies like Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia in Rogue One. Music streaming services took off during this time as well. The establishment and widespread adoption of social media has changed how to communicate and interact. Multiple studies have shown social media has changed how people perceive time. Dating websites have changed how we date. Instagram launched in 2010, spawning a whole world of influencers, which I'm still struggling by. Spawn con and Instagram culture, a whole lot of which directly impacts women in particular, yes. obviously. Instagram really has changed attitudes around so much and put more pressure on women to be perfect hostesses, perfect moms, perfect wives, have the perfect body, or at least the perfect attitude. Mm-hmm. It also has contributed to the rise of things like gender reveal parties, which sets fires, people. It has uh, set fires. Yes, it ha- well, Don't a lot do. of things have So happened. many things with the fires. Yeah, but fires. But and fires. I do find it funny that now it's sort of accepted. Like, we have Instagrammable food. Right. And, you you know, when the food arrives, everyone's there like, is sit back. actual... Um, what a filter yeah. that says for food. Yes. And on my phone, there's a filter for food. Mm-hmm. I'm very baffled. Yeah. Yeah. I did it. Don't of get me course, wrong. Sure. But typically, it's usually like, look how much food this is. I'm mm-hmm. going to eat it all. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to love it. <laughs> so good. The first iPad also debuted in 2010. The dating app Tinder launched in 2012, which kick-started all these conversations around hookup culture and what women really want, kind of a panic around all of that stuff, right. oh, honestly. Women. Yes. Liberating sexuality. What? Oh, no. Not super specific to women, but in 2013, Edward Snowden exposed that the NSA had access to the servers of Google and Yahoo. That was a huge thing. Yeah, and he has yeah. a book now. Does he really? Yeah, he's gone on tour. Like, from location. I've watched a few of them. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Another thing that happened, Gamergate in 2014, which we've talked about a lot on this show, but was a pretty serious and scary thing where mostly white dude gamers really didn't like women and other marginalized folks saying, you know, we love this game, but it could be better. Right. (laughs) And... If we're speaking of games, that landscape got a lot more diverse and artistic and niche, despite said gamer dudes fighting tooth and nail against it. I don't know about Fortnite, but I know that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Last of Us, my favorite, Gone Home, which I just beat, Mass Effect 2 and 3, Celeste, Journey, Bioshock Infinite, Her Story. So we are seeing more developers who traditionally 
haven't been able to get games made, right. being able to get games made and get them on a platform where people can play right. them. And with that, Twitch, which I was just introduced to recently because I'm not a gamer, mm-hmm. but I'm like, what? what is this? You just watch oh, people yeah. play games. Yep. And it's making money for oh, people. sure. It's that is huge. Interesting. Like, I don't know what else to say to that. Can we do that? I, I would love to do Let's that. Would that. you watch me play The Last of Us? Oh. No, I want to play it with you. Where I'm just screaming at the thing and you're getting mad at me for not knowing how to do it. I feel like that would be fun. No? Okay, fine. <laughs> the face you just made was absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> Maybe not for that game. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Speaking of fighting tooth and nail, <laughs> this has also been the decade of fandoms, for better or worse. That's something else we've talked about a lot. It has exposed an ugly underbelly of fan culture, but also how beautiful and powerful and transformative it can be. In 2015, Apple came out with a set of racially diverse emojis and emojis depicting same-sex couples. Which, yeah. Good job. Mm-hmm. A Redditor by the name Deepfakes created an algorithm that generated fake porn videos of Gal Gadot, Taylor Swift, and Scott. Scarlett Johansson in 2017. Just two years later, analysts found that non-consensual pornographic deepfakes make up 96% of all deepfakes. Wow. Yeah. In 2017, a Google employee circulated an employee railing against the company's attempt to be more diverse and hire more women. The next year, thousands of Google's employees walked out after reports of sexual misconduct surfaced. Other tech companies have faced similar criticisms like Uber and Facebook. Yeah. Speaking of, it has not been a good decade for Facebook. Fake Russian accounts were linked with influencing the 2016 U.S. election. In 2018, the U.N. blamed Facebook for allowing a platform of hate speech that played a role in the Myanmar genocide of Rohingya Muslims. And then in 2018, Facebook admitted that the Trump-connected data analysis company Cambridge Analytica had illegally obtained and misused the data of millions of users. Another tech trend is the rise of the gig economy, allowing more flexible work situations. Economists are still unsure of the impact of this, and it has come with pros for women, ability to stay home with children while working, for instance, and cons, companies taking advantage and getting out of providing benefits. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of these things impact all of us, and, and certainly women, it was hard to, uh, to be like, focus, focus, focus right. on the things for this show that are per- particularly pertinent. But I feel like you can make arguments about all of those impacting women. If we look at movies and TV, we did have some pretty big film events over the past decade. The Harry Potter film series came to an end. A majority of the MCU films came out. The Hunger Games and J-Law Obsession, Fifty Shades of Grey. Film historians will probably remember the 2010s as the decade of superheroes and Disney, which accounted for eight of the top ten grossing films of the decade. In December of 2015, Star Wars The Force Awakens debuted with Daisy Ridley as Rey, a scavenger who realizes she can use the Force. And she became a role model for girls and, of course, spawned a huge backlash among a certain subset of dudes mad that a woman was the main character of their favorite series. As the fandom has tried to diversify, we saw all kinds of backlash like that. Kelly Marie Tran left social media due to bullying. Companies received backlash for not making enough Ray action figures or not featuring her at all. In some character sets. Right. Which mm-hmm. is weird because, as you said, this Halloween, a majority of people dressed, kids that were dressed up were this character, right? Yes. And they also found that uh, toy stores were getting parents calling, asking for Ray, and they, the owners were like, well, we have Kylo Ren, and the parents were like, 
No. That's not Why do you not have the main character? (laughs) So 2017's Wonder Woman became the first major studio superhero movie directed by a woman, Patty Jenkins. It scored the largest opening ever for a female director. After the film's success, she negotiated a salary on par with her male counterparts, clap, 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 becoming the highest paid female director in history. Yes, and as we record this, the trailer for Wonder Woman 1984 just came out. They're not using swords on this one. Huh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know some people are probably, I have friends who would roll my eyes at these kinds of things, but I read an article about the power and influence of these movies because actually a lot of people don't see movies very often when they do, these are the ones they see, these big superhero movies, for better or worse. And so diversifying them and showing different stories is actually hugely important important. and powerful. Um, And as we always say, if you can see it, you can be it. Co-written by Anna Bowden, 2019's Captain Marvel was the fourth highest grossing film of 2019 and toppled Wonder Woman as the highest grossing film from a female director. Six of the top ten highest grossing films since 2010 have been directed by women. We saw reimaginings of successful movies with an all-female cast, like Ocean's 8 and Ghostbusters. You can argue about how good they were, but still, it's seeing different stories uh, featuring women. Right. (laughs) Different takes on the same story, I guess, with women. Um, We've seen the rise of the female anti-hero and things like Gone Girl, Sharp Objects, which I've never seen. Um, I've seen arguments that Midge from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is an anti-hero. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I've not watched this show because the awkward level is so high. It's pretty high. That it makes makes me a little nervous. I understand. Catherine Bigelow became the first female director and still only to win an Oscar for Best Picture of her film, Hurt Locker, in 2010. The same year, Meryl Streep broke the record up for most Golden Globes. And in 2013, Brenda Chapman became the first woman to win an Oscar for Best Animated Picture for Brave. She was the first woman to direct a feature-length Pixar film. In 2015, the hashtag OscarSoWhite went viral in response to the lack of diversity among the nominees. Moonlight became the first film with an all-black cast to win Best Picture in 2017 and is one of the first to have an LGBTQ plus story at its heart. Mahershala Ali became the first Muslim to win an acting Oscar. Records for youngest and oldest actress nominated for Oscars were also broken this decade. Ava DuVernay became the first black director nominated for Golden Globe for Best director in 2014. In 2017, she became the first black woman nominated for the Oscar for Best Documentary Feature. Yelitsa Aparicio became the first indigenous American woman to be nominated for the Oscar for Best Actress in 2019. That same year, Ruth E. Carter was the first black woman to win the Oscar for Best Costume Design for her work on Black Panther. Well deserved, too. In 2018, Crazy Rich Asians became the first American movie with an all-Asian cast in 25 years. And as a side note, we should also mention the small bit of controversy in which the only female writer left due to the fact that her pay was significantly less than her male counterpart. The release of Get Out in 2017 opened the door for the socially conscious thriller and earned Jordan Peele an Oscar nomination for Best Screenplay. And horror has experienced a rejuvenation in this decade with films like The Babadook, Us, Midsommar, The Witch, Hereditary, Raw, A Quiet Place. And if you'll notice, a lot of those have, like, either leading ladies were directed by women or both. Yeah. So, there you go. Good job. And then TV. Ooh. TV and moving on to the world of television. Television has experienced a meteoric shift over the decade with the introduction of streaming services, binge watching, and prestige television. This has allowed for a more inclusive catalog 
though we still have a long way to go. While the number is still low, we saw the rise of female showrunners, which is great. Yeah. And whether you like these shows or not, they start some conversations. Girls on HBO, Scandal, 30 Rock coming to an end, Orange is the New Black, RuPaul's Drag Race, Big Little Lies, Unbelievable, Broad City, Insecure, The Mindy Project, Shrill, Handmaid's Tale, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Fleabag, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Pose, Queer Eye, Game of Thrones, which launched in 2011 and became a massive pop culture phenomenon and is, some experts think, perhaps one of the last weekly viewing television that we'll experience Hmm. ever. You think so? Maybe. Hmm. In 2014, Laverne Cox became the first openly transgender person nominated for a primetime acting Emmy. And this isn't TV, but I want to include Audra McDonald, who in 2014 broke the record for most Tony wins for performance and the first actor to win a Tony in all four acting categories. And since we're talking about theater, just got to shout out Hamilton. Hamilton, which we heard listened to earlier today. We were, bit. and I sang my shot at our holiday party. Oh, you did. Uh, you I sure did. did. I closed out you the and, night. You and Sam <laughs> yeah, did it together, yeah. our friend Sam. Viola Davis became the first black woman to win an Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series in 2015. Julie Louis-Dreyfus broke the record for most Emmy wins for playing the same character in 2017. The 2017 Emmy for comedy writing went to Lena Waithe, making her the first black woman to win that award. A year later, Sandra Oh became the first Asian woman to receive a nomination for the Lead Actress Emmy. Pose's Billy Porter made history in 2019 when he became the first openly gay man to win the Emmy for Best Actor in a Drama. And we should note, since we are talking about Pose, that Janet Muck was the first trans woman of color to be hired as a full-time series writer, as well as having one of the largest casts of trans women of color. Yes. And then when she directed the third episode of Disney Plus's The Mandalorian in 2019, Deborah Chow made history, becoming the first woman to direct a live-action Star Wars production. And for the upcoming, you've probably already seen it by the time you listen to this, uh, Star Wars film, The Rise of Skywalker, Victoria Mahoney, who directed the second unit, will go down as the first female director of a live-action Star Wars movie. And she got the gig in part because Ava DuVernay gave her name and her name only to J.J. Abrams when he asked her for recommendations, and that is the power of women uplifting women. Mm-hmm. And just to put in there, Fox News underwent a lot of scandals. Yeah. A lot of scandals, um, enough so that there is now a movie about it. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about that movie. There is. Perhaps we'll revisit it in the future. Mm. But now we're going to talk about books, yeah. which I'm actually really excited to talk about. While we still have so far to go when it comes to literary representation, the 2010s gave us so many amazing books written by women and people of color. We also saw the increased popularity of audiobooks, giving people alternate methods of consuming books. In 2010, we got books like Just Kids by Patti Smith, Room by Emma Donahue, and Jennifer Egan's A Visit from the Goon Squad. Divergent by Veronica Roth came out in 2011, and it was one of the last of a spate of dystopian young adult books. E.L. James's Fifty Shades of Grey also came out in 2011. This series set off a huge, huge chain of conversations around women and sexual pleasure and the BDSM community, not to mention all the fear-mongering media stories questioning why in the world married women, soccer moms would like these books. I remember seeing some of those. (laughs) They were like, these books are so risky. Why are women into them? (laughs) Well, they're into them, but more than 100 million copies have been sold. And it's funny because 
romance novels have always been a big thing, mm-hmm. which is Fabio's whole <laughs> fame, claim to fame. Yes. I think it's just that Fifty Shades of Grey was more mainstream yes. than your typical. Oh, absolutely. I didn't know Fabio was going to come up in this conversation. You're welcome. I'm glad he did. You're welcome. The Tiger's Wife by Taya Obricht came out in 2011 as well. One of my favorite books, Wild by Cheryl Strayed, came out in 2012. That same year, we also got Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl, Elena Ferrante's My Brilliant Friend. Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay came out in 2014. Marie Kondo's The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up came out the same year. And so did Naomi Alderman's book, The Power, which experiments with what a world in which women held all the power would look like. And so did Amy Poehler's Yes, Please. And of course, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's essay, We Should All Be Feminist, fresh off the publication of Americana. Big Little Lies also came out the same year, and Claudia Rankin's book of poetry, Citizen, an American Lyric, debuted that year as well. And Celeste Ng's Everything I Never Told You. So that was a big year. A lot yeah. of stuff came out that year. Really great books, too. Yes. And amazing authors. Mm-hmm. In 2015, Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates came out and went on to win a National Book Award. Toni Morrison's God Help the Child came out in 2015. Gabby Rivera's Juliet Takes a Breath came out in 2016. Unladylike. Yes. 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 And it's still available, and you should go get a copy if you haven't already. You should. The Hate You Give came out in 2017 by Angie Thomas. When They Call You Terrorist, a Black Lives Matter memoir by Patrice Kahn Coolers and Asha Bondel came out in 2019. Michelle Obama's Becoming came out in 2018, and it set so many records for books in 2018. The same year, This Will Be My Undoing, Living at the Intersection of Black, Female, and Feminist in White America by Morgan Jenkins came out, and Barakun, The Story of the Last Black Cargo by Zora Neale Hurston. Jody Kantar and Megan Tui's book around their work leading up to, during, and after their investigation of Harvey Weinstein went public. She said it came out in 2019, as did Ronan Farrow's take on, on the same thing, Catch and Kill. Elaine Welteroth's More Than Enough debuted in 2019, and, of course, Chanel Miller's Know My Name. So... Now let's hop into music. Yes. Women really took this decade by storm in the music realm, especially women in hip-hop and rap. Beyonce headlining Coachella in 2018 made history as the first black woman to headline a music festival in California. And that uh, movie special that she did. The documentary, yeah. So great. Mm -hmm. Two years previously, in 2016, she broke the record for most VMAs in the same year Lemonade came out. Also amazing. Yes. She used her platform to bring attention to issues and politics impacting black people on stage as huge as the Super Bowl. And we remember that controversy as a part of the larger movement this decade of black protest music. Much like Solange's Seat at the Table and Kendrick Lamar's Pimp a Butterfly. And then, of course, Nicki Minaj, Janelle Monet, Rihanna, Cardi B, and Lizzo, who took the world by storm, becoming only the sixth female rapper to claim the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100. And then a lot of amazing music providing the soundtrack for the LGBTQ plus movement. Robin's album Body Talk came out at the beginning of the decade. Lady Gaga's album Born This Way came out in 2011. Frank Ocean's 2012 Channel Orange. 2014's Transgender Dysphoria Blues by Against Me. Sam Smith's 2014 In the Lonely Hour. He went on to win Best Pop Vocal Album at the 57th Grammys, the first openly gay man to do so. Tegan and Sarah's 2013 album Heartthrob, Troy Sivan's Blue Neighborhood, Halsey's Hopeless Fountain Kingdom, and in 2018, Haley Kiyoko released Expectations. And thanks to B-Sides and Badlands for this list, and they have more 
other suggestions if you would like to to get those. Go check that out. So also in 2010, Taylor Swift became the youngest solo artist to win a Grammy for Album of the Year. She was 20. Oh, such a baby. She went to break the record for most AMAs in 2019. Also, she sued the radio dude for sexual harassment for $1 and won. Yeah. You go ahead. And just recently, she was presented with Woman of the Decade by Billboard, where she made a speech about toxic male privilege in the music industry and the conversation about owning the music and having rights and what that looks like when you're young to being older and understanding advocating for yourself and what that could be in an industry that is male-run. Right. And then (laughs) Rebecca Black's Friday came out in 2011. Sorry if it stuck in your head immediately. Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe, Uh uh-oh, came out that same year. Son of a... And then over the decade, Miley Cyrus was Miley Cyrus. She showed up on a lot of, do you remember this in the 2010s list? In 2014, Kesha sued her producer, Dr. Luke, for sexual assault battery and a whole list of other terrible things. The case was dismissed due to the statute of limitations, but Kesha addressed this and didn't stop making music, and she used those painful experiences in her lyrics. So Adele's 21 came out in 2011, and then 25 in 2015. Billboard named her Artist of the Year three times over the decade, and she sold a lot of albums. A lot. And I still love listening to them. I'm waiting for the new one because I know it's going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) Then also we have Billie Eilish, who became one of the voices of a new generation. Her whole iconic style, I think she's making a name for herself and changing the way pop music looks for younger generations. Yeah. The most streamed artist of the 2010s was Ariana Grande. After a homemade bomb went off at one of her concerts in Manchester in 2017 and killed 22 people, she continued to tour and returned a few weeks later to meet the victims' families and perform at the benefit concert that she helped organize One Love Manchester. And just got to say... This has been quite the decade for podcasts. So it when really we started, has. it was pretty new, and now the joke is everybody's got their no. own podcast. Well, obviously, people are um, networks are buying it out like crazy. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about fashion. And Very according briefly. to <laughs> yeah, because uh, neither one of us really are good at that. According to fashion experts, this decade will be remembered as the decade of leggings, athleisure, and casual wear. Yes, which I'm okay with that. I am too, and I did want to bring that up because. When, I mean, if I just said 20s, it's the fashion you think of yeah, first, yeah. you know? Every decade almost has a pretty identifiable look. I will say this decade has made me feel really old because everything has came back from my high school years. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you threw it away. I, I literally almost once a month, I'm like, I had that. I had that I exact have print. Things. Yes. <laughs> I swear, and so I feel, yes, I feel like I've lost out in giving away these clothing. A, B, I'm really old because it has now come back around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just feel like so many things have come back, though, like t- pieces of the 80s, pieces of the 90s. Oh, yeah. It's all it's all in the mix nowadays. Things I thought I'd never see again. Another thing about fashion is fur has virtually disappeared, and a preference toward sustainability when it comes to clothing has risen dramatically. Fast fashion has faced a backlash with people more concerned than ever about the ethical impact of their clothes. Mm. 
And then if we look at athletics, the U.S. women's soccer team began the decade in the top spot, and they ended it in the same spot. Go ahead. They won two World Cups in 2015 and 2019. They won the Olympic gold medal in 2012. Out of the 120 months of this decade, this team only spent 10 of them not ranked as number one. And I, I, you know, I love things like this. I'm not super into sports, but I read a lot of articles where the the author would say this is the most consistent sports team. They are so consistently good. So good. So good. So good. Monet Davis became the first female pitcher to win the Little League World Series in 2014. In 2015, Missy Copeland became the first black woman to be an American principal at the American Ballet Theater. And this year, Charlotte Nebris is the first black ballerina to play Marie in the New York Ballet production of The Nutcracker. Looking at the Olympics, Missy Franklin won four Olympic gold medals in two days, including one for the 200-meter backstroke, the first American to win it in half a century. This is also the first time in history every country was represented with female athletes. We got to witness the power that is Simone Biles in 2016. She closes out the decade with 25 world medals and 19 gold, making her the most decorated gymnast in history. In 2016, Colin Kaepernick and other football players and then several athletes after the fact began taking the knee during the national anthem to protest police brutality and systemic racism. Ronda Rousey was the first woman inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame in 2018. Serena Williams, of course, continues to dominate, winning 13 Grand Slams this decade and won a U.S. Open while pregnant. While pregnant. And then in 2018, more than 150 women and girls shared testimony against USA Gymnastics doctor Larry Nasser, and he was charged with seven counts of criminal sexual misconduct and sentenced to 175 years in prison. So that is an overview of mm-hmm, sports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there are a couple things we wanted to touch on in celebrity, just because I know people will write in if we don't. Right, right. The first is I, a bunch of stuff with the Kardashians happened. There and you go. There you go. They exist and they're big. Yeah, they've in done the a bunch 2010s. of things. Yes. We had two royal weddings. One was very significant with Meghan Markle, mm-hmm. which, you know, has become a lot of back and forth about race and what that looks like in the UK as well. And then royal babies, several of them. Yes. Several of them. Several. In 2014, Laverne Cox appeared on the cover of Time with the headline, The Transgender Tipping Point. Time also named 2014 the best year for women since the dawn of time. Oh, I'll I have miss, to think back to 2014. I miss 2014. I mean, a lot of those books, uh, the books yeah. we mentioned came yeah. out that year. So, Women in Scandals, B-list celebrities in Operation Varsity Blues, Anna Delvey, and, of course, Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos. Yeah, probably a lot more we could mention oh, there. Oh, my goodness. Several more, but we're just going to leave it at Yeah, because we have a lot more stuff to talk about when it comes to politics. But first, we have one more quick break forward from our sponsor. Thank you, sponsor. And we are back with some, some a lot discussion around politics because, yes, this has been a, a decade of a lot of change 
In April 2011, after a Toronto police constable told women to, quote, stop dressing like sluts if they didn't want to be sexually assaulted, 3,000 women took to the Toronto streets, some not wearing much of anything and proudly calling themselves sluts, and the inaugural slut walk. Slut walk was the brainchild of Sonia Barnett and Heather Jarvis, and it spread to Europe, Asia, Australia, South America, and the United States. It also helped bring conversations around slut shaming and victim blaming into the mainstream. So also in 2011, the Occupy Wall Street movement got started. And then the hashtag free the nipple movement. I actually did forget about this. Oh, I remember it. Which started in 2012 as filmmaker Lena Esco prepared to work on her documentary highlighting the double standards around women's bodies and toplessness. This resulted in several high-profile legal battles with social platforms like Facebook and Instagram, which is still... A thing. It is. Uh, Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 after George Zimmerman was acquitted, and we could talk a little more about that as he is trying to sue people because he is a jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that nicely. In 2014, Columbia student Emma Sokowitz started her art piece, Mattress Performance, Carried That Weight, in response to a fellow student she alleged had raped her in her dorm, not being found guilty by the school. It made headlines across the country and stoked the conversation around sexual assault on college campuses, which is still a conversation that we need to be having because policies continue to be back and forth, back and forth with our current administration. Yes. On June 26, 2015, the United States legalized gay marriage. And then, of course, we have the 2016 election, which was brutal. Um, so much sexism and racism was dredged up and discussed. The grab them by the pussy comment resurfaced. Numerous allegations of sexual assault against Donald Trump came out but were ignored or dismissed as boys will be boys and or women are opportunistic liars. He ran on issues like defunding Planned Parenthood, building a wall, uh, imposing a global gag rule, um, and this is the rule that prevents money from family planning, going to any non-governmental organization that provides abortion services. This was a bitter, bitter, bitter election that exposed so much of the dark side of this country. Despite winning the popular vote by almost 3 million votes, the first female candidate of a major U.S. political party, Hillary Clinton, lost to Donald Trump. And in the wake, we immediately saw the administration attempt to pass the Muslim ban, an attack on transgender rights, an attack on women's reproductive health, immigrants. They put Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court and later nominated Brett Kavanaugh, who despite being credibly accused of sexual assault by Dr. Christine Blasey Ford and others, and also responding completely inappropriately, his nomination was successful. The GOP also supported the candidacy of Roy Moore, despite several allegations of him uh, attempted sexual assault against minors or just general creepiness around minors and all, yeah, all around gross behavior. He did not win, but the house of at least one of his accusers was burned down in response to her speaking out. And I just remembered... It feels like so long ago, but that rush to get IUDs after he was Oh, uh, yeah. People made new appointments trying to get that done before it got shut down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, personally, there's a slew of videos that make me very sad um, that they were made back when everyone was so certain that Clinton was going to win. And I never felt that certainty, but it is still really depressing. It is. And in response to the 2016 election, millions of women showed up in Washington, D.C. and various cities across the country in January 2017 for the Women's March. And so many turned up, it became the largest single-day protest in U.S. history. And then, of course... 
Hashtag Me Too took off after a 2017 New York Times article detailed the behavior of Harvey Weinstein, and so many women began sharing their stories in its wake. To this day, the hashtag has been tweeted over 19 million times. And as always, I want to shout out black activist Tarana Burke, who originally had the idea. And this whole thing went on to inspire Times Up in 2018 when 300 public figures came together and were black to express solidarity with sexual assault survivors. The impact of it is definitely up for debate, but at least things are <laughs> being talked about. Right. It allowed for conversations about gray areas like the Aziz Ansari story or the short story Cat Person. Um, as of recording this day, we just found out Unfortunately, Weinstein reached a settlement of $25 million with his accusers and will not serve jail time. Yeah. That's that's what that takes. Then the tragic 2018 shootings at Parkland, Stoneman, Douglas High School sparked conversations around incels or involuntary celibates, which we've talked about before on the show. Trump signed FOSTA slash SESTA into law in April 2018, which is an anti-sex trafficking bill that was hugely detrimental to sex workers. And you can see our past episode on it for more info. And as in fact, it's right now being discussed uh, within the Democratic platform. I know a few people have brought that up as being very, very harmful for sex workers. And it's being brought back up as a debate issue. Mm -hmm. And then... Things were happening outside of the U.S. too. Shocker. Ireland voted to overturn an abortion ban in 2018. We also did an episode on that. Brexit, which is a continuing mess. Mm. Former child brides Loveness Mazuru and Rovimba Sopazi went to Zimbabwe's constitutional court in 2016 and won when the court ruled no one under the age of 18 can get married or enter customary law unions in that country. The Indian government outlawed child marriage as well. 17 countries other than the United States legalized gay marriage. Women in Saudi Arabia got the right to drive cars. We talked about New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. uh, And just recently, Sana Marin of Finland became the youngest world leader ever. And I know there's a a bunch of other things we could touch on. It's a big world out there. Please, listeners, email (laughs) us. Email us those things. In January of 2019, the U.S. Congress swore in the most diverse class in our history, the squad, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, and Rashida Tlaib. And at the end of 2018, Time named climate activist and teenager Greta Thunberg as Person of the Year, the youngest person to ever get the title. And we know some people are not happy about that. <laughs> I don't know. Who could it be? She flat out scared conservative dudes who don't want to do anything about climate change, and they spread so many conspiracy theories about her. And, and just to shout out the other uh, young ones out there who are fighting against this as well, a lot of indigenous uh, young people are a part of that fight as well. And I love that beauty yeah. of that. Oh, sure. I'll, I'm, I'm really impressed with young people right now and being so active and fighting for things that matter. And speaking of climate change, we have seen a handful of devastating natural disasters this year, beginning with the 2010 earthquake in Haiti. Almost 250,000 people died. And then there were those hurricanes, Sandy, Harvey, Irma, Maria, Michael. <laughs> I forgot about Michael. Um, There were terrorist attacks around the world, including the Boston Marathon, the one at New Zealand Mosque, and mass shootings in Sandy Hook, Marjorie Stone, Douglas High School, a Las Vegas music festival, and a historic black church in Charleston, South Carolina. And we saw the rise of public displays of white supremacism and anti-Semitism. And these are obviously all feminist issues that we need to be talking about more and more because the intersectionality of it all and the whole 
when it comes to terrorism and coming at, and when we talk about mass shootings and when we talk about shootings in uh, DV situations or domestic violence situations, there is a level of terrorism that happens that we need to be talking more and more about. Absolutely. And yes, as we said at the top, there is so much more we could touch on. We are not hitting everything not at all. by any means, but these are just some prominent examples. And now, yes, we're in the midst of an impeachment here in the United States. After a whistleblower reported that Trump had asked for a quid pro quo from Ukraine, he became the fourth president in U.S. history to be impeached. And as today is impeachment day, yes? Yes. yes they are doing the vote. They're doing the vote today. They're doing the argument. They're doing the argument. So that's where we are. Uh, surprisingly, a lot has happened this decade. So many things. So many things. So many things. And we are absolutely certain we have forgotten some things. So oh, yes. if you would like to send us your your overview or big things of the decade or what you're looking forward to in, in the new decade, because that will be our next episode, you can email us. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You or on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Hey. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can listen to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 